Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music insight and opinion. Today's date is February 28th, 2022. Welcome to the end of the month, and I'm glad that we're here to uh, celebrate and share this with you all. My name is Bill. I'm joined here today with Eric. Hello, hello. <laughs> so, I feel like this is like your chair now. Like this is like this is like your spot. It is. <laughs> um I know the burning question all of you guys have been wanting to know where is Steve? Where has he been? Um bowling school and uh different uh what what's the word I'm looking for here? Obligations. Bowling school and the obligations with bowling school has prohibited him from being able to be in here in a full capacity. Steve is still a part of the show, but in a very limited capacity. We're not sure when he'll be back. Kentucky is far, and um, eventually he'll be back. But just so uh, all of our listeners here and all the thumbs down that we're getting on Pandora, which I can only, you know, think and begin to imagine that the only reason they down any of these episodes because Steve isn't on them. But um, he'll it's be back. Me. It's me. I, I don't know, man. I 280 some dislikes. That just doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen within three episodes. <laughs> I'm infamous. <clears throat> I am inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, over the past couple weeks, have you encountered anything new or interesting? Uh, with the Super Bowl happening, uh, halftime show, specifically, hmm. <clears throat> Eminem performed. That he did. Anderson Pack was on drums. For whatever reason, that when the news article started uh, coming out about that, I knew Anderson Pack from uh, him collaborating with Eminem uh, on music to be murdered by. Yeah, I didn't realize that the newest Bruno Mars album, uh, and even in the evening with Silk Sonic, is him or Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars. Oh shit! Really? And Bootsy Collins. Oh shit! It's like that's dope. cool. Yeah, that's funk. Like they like. Yeah, it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, the halftime show is fucking cool. I mean, I think Eminem could have had a little bit more time. Then Mary J. Blige could have probably had a little bit less time, but I'm not the one that orchestrated the whole thing. True. You know what I did read though that was interesting. Do you know who is in charge of the halftime shows? No, Jay Z. Jay Z's company, his like entertainment company, he has. I think it's called like Rockaway or some or something, uh, so, something along those lines, like very Jay Z esque. Uh-huh. He is the coordinator for the halftime shows. That's pretty wild. It is crazy when you think about it. And I guess you know Jay Jay Z was like, "All right, Dre, how do you handle this? Whatever <laughs> you want to do." And then you know, of course, our Dre's like, "Well, we have to surprise people, so let's get a uh, dollar fifty. I mean, fifty cent. Fifty uh, cent the." Pop out of the seat, <laughs> pop upside down. Out yeah. of the- <laughs> I mean, I can't talk too much shit. Uh, you know, I only wish I could be in as much shape as 50 Cent is. But uh, that angle did not do him justice in the slightest. Like, I remember, like, looking, I'm like, dude, no bullshit. You know what it reminded me of? <laughs> D12, my band, the music video, when, when Bizarre is like doing the parody of In the Club. That's who I thought it was. I'm like, man, how the fuck? And I'm like, oh my God, that's 50 Cent. <laughs> No disrespect, Fifty, <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I thought the halftime show was fucking cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think it was as cool as the weekends from the last Super Bowl. It I was, was just going to say, I didn't really like that one that much. I just, like, I liked theatric- how elaborate it was. Yeah, the theatrics were like yeah. over the top. What I feel like they could have changed with this one was maybe cut down Mary J. Blige or completely eliminate Kendrick Lamar and give right. Eminem a little bit more than just lose yourself. Yeah. Who knows? They might have. I mean, they were well aware beforehand that he was going to kneel. So yeah, that was. Uh, they might have stupid. cut his shit uh, short. Oh yeah, that yeah they might have. But then again, Dre did pay a lot of money to do that. I yeah. think I think it was reported like six million dollars out of his own pocket. Huh. Yeah. I I also thought it was like really really cool that Dre was you know in the limelight like that. Yeah. Like he's not ever. Yeah. Like. I like how he's like fake twisted knobs and like doing the producer thing. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Snoop Dogg just became the owner of Death Row Records like the yeah. day prior. It was just like it, it was it was a cool Super Bowl. Well, it was a cool Super Bowl halftime show. I didn't really watch the game. I didn't I didn't really care. As anyone on the listens to the show knows that I'm not the biggest sports person. You yeah, know. Yeah, I that. didn't care at all. <laughs> but um yeah, so my new and interesting for this week is actually something I had just sent to you right before we started recording. Um, I actually haven't touched on this artist much at all since the debut album came out. Um, Mammoth, Wolfgang Van Halen. Um, a video, a couple of videos surfaced online of him covering Alice in Chains' Them Bones. And um, in this said video, his guitar strap breaks mid-solo. And he like a true professional fucking just played it off. Like, it, was, it was awesome. He didn't miss a note. Yeah. I, well, his backing band that he has is incredible. Like the, the musicians that, I mean, it should be of no surprise. The musicians that he would surround himself with should be top notch. But, um, it was just, they're just such a good band. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's a force to be reckoned with, you know, with or without the name that he has. I mean, I know I can't, I'm kind of contradicting myself from what from what I had originally said when this album came out. Like I had said, like it was good, but like I I wasn't super a giant fan of it, which I'm still not. <clears throat> but watching these videos makes me kind of excited for his future. That he is no longer like the like the guy that's like I'm not trying to be my dad. Yeah. I don't want to be my dad. You know, I'm just Wolfgang, and it's like now it's just like. I'm Wolfgang and this is completely separate from what I'm doing. Yeah. Like even in the beginning of that song, he's like, we're going to do a cover and no, it's not Van Halen. Yeah. And everyone, (laughs) and everyone laughed. But, um, I thought the cover was incredible and the way that they were able to get the vocal harmonies going for that. Like it was really well done. Yeah. For anyone that's a fan of Alice in Chains, like, you know, that one of the major selling points in their music is the vocal harmonies. And, you can play Man in the Box or Them Bones or anything as much as you want. If you don't have those vocal harmonies down, your cover probably sucks. Yeah. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. If you don't cover Alice in Chains with correct vocal harmonies, it probably sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the signature things to the whole entire sound. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, too, and it's why it annoys me that Alice in Chains, they don't get as much, like, limelight or like a spotlight on them as much as the other grunge bands because like granted they were all in the same era, you know, the same area, the same type of music, everything. I feel like Alice in Chains was just a step above everybody else. 
like in just technicality wise in production values in songwriting definitely and definitely with their harmonies i mean you know jerry and lane may not have been the best singers of the grunge era but they were definitely they definitely had the best harmonies of them all yeah and then plus i mean i always revert back to right turn off a of sap where they had chris cornell on there too mm-hmm. and like they they it worked like they they're just they're they were just a fucking force to be reckoned with but yeah. anyways mammoth wolfgang van halen them bones if you haven't checked it out or seen it yet i highly suggest checking it out and wolfgang if you're listening uh i highly doubt it but if you're listening we want to get you on the show <laughs> um so yeah i guess let's roll into our uh music history for today for february 28th I'm going to let you start here, I believe, in the year 1967. That is correct. Nineteen sixty-seven. Pink Floyd get the first record deal signing with EMI Records. That's pretty funny. It's it's funny, like Pink Floyd is like a prominent like seventies act. And it's funny to think that their first record deal happened in 67. And their yeah. first record deal was with EMI and not some like small independent nobody label from the UK. Like EMI is a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah. But yeah. I, I you, you could say that Pink Floyd probably fell under the late bloomer category. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Let's think about it. They probably really didn't gain any kind of real traction. I mean, Michael would probably know better than us, but I don't feel like they kind of gained enough traction until, like, The Wall, really. Like, they didn't become, like, a household name until then. And they already had masterpieces before then. I've recently started getting into Pink Floyd. I hated them for a long time, but then, slowly but surely, the walls have been breaking down. (laughs) It's not going to happen for the doors anytime soon, but Pink Floyd... It's starting to, uh, I'm I'm starting to gain a little bit of a soft spot. <laughs> Pink Floyd's uh, all right. Yeah, I you know I it it annoys me that I was so close minded like back when we were in like high school and stuff to where I I feel like I kind of stunted my growth with music knowledge and understanding by not listening to these bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like back then, it was just like you know, the heaviest it could be or Van Halen. And that was pretty much it. And I feel like that's kind of where the extent of my knowledge goes. Well, not really. I, I know, I know way more than that, but like, I feel like unless it's like, like heavy music or Van Halen, like everything else is just kind of like, yeah, like a Jack of all <laughs> trades, but master of none, except yeah. I just know a lot about Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on here to 1978. Eric's favorite band, The Village People, play their first concert performing at 2001 Odyssey in New York City, the setting for Saturday Night Live. So, yeah, when we, <laughs> in a, in, in a pre, previous episode, we talked about Neil Young's first show and how he probably sucked. Can only imagine the colossal train wreck that this first concert was. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. The Village People is just basically a boy band. Right? Like, they don't consider the village people like the entire band. It's just the five guys. I think so. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine them playing a show without like YMCA like being known or anything like that? And like be they could be a crowd of very very confused people. <laughs> <laughs> there's a construction worker. Oh, there's an Indian. Oh, oh, and a biker. And a, and a policeman. What are they doing here? I said, young man. <laughs> it's like an episode of the X-Files. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, my, uh, my next one's 1984. Michael Jackson is the big winner at the Grammy Awards, winning eight trophies, including Album of the Year for Thriller and Record of the Year for Beat It. He makes the ceremony despite being injured the previous day when his hair caught fire shooting a Pepsi commercial. Yeah, that was the the infamous Pepsi commercial. However, I do want to say here, and this will probably be like one of the last times I bring up Van Halen, is that... Uh, oh, <laughs> probably not. Uh <laughs> He got a record of the year for Beat It, and I would like to go back and look at the uh, acceptance speech, because I highly doubt he mentioned Eddie Van Halen's name. And I'm not taking anything away from Beat It, because I do really enjoy that song. However, I do feel, and I've always felt this way, that Beat It in particular helped propel Thriller to the super fucking mega level that it was because they were able to draw in from the rock crowd for the fact that Eddie Van Halen was on that album. Yeah, and it was it was also uh for the time like mm-hmm. that was pretty crazy to have a guitar solo like that. Yeah. And like like I I don't want to say like rock fans are closed-minded in any way, but I mean Think of like your average like hard rock fan or think of your average like hair metal fan from the 80s. I highly doubt they were buying Thriller. I highly doubt when that shit came out, they were lining up at Tower Records to make sure they got their copy of Thriller. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But You know, and then words started getting around like, yo, Eddie Van Halen's on this album. And they're like, oh, shit, really? And then the Van Halen people were buying Thriller. Also, I mean, I mean, that's how I just feel. I mean, I could be way wrong. I mean, back into or uh, back at that point in time, there probably were, I mean, a shit ton of people from all walks of life buying Thriller because you gotta think back then they didn't have like any other avenue other than the radio, yeah, to listen to music. So it was pretty much what you get is what you get. Yeah, it was funny. They probably heard beat on the radio and like assumed like, yo, he they, they're going to have like crazy guitar players on this album. If Eddie Van Halen's on here, they probably have David Gilmour too. <laughs> Eric Clapton's from PYT. <laughs> That's going to be the title for this episode. <laughs> uh, speaking of Megalodon, super fucking huge albums. Uh, 1998, Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On from the movie Titanic goes to number one in the U.S. The film has been at number one in the box office since, since December of 97, and the soundtrack has been number one since January 24th of 98. Um, I like how My Heart Will Go On has become like part of meme culture now. Yeah. 
where <laughs> like uh it's like this song makes every scene better and like they have the the scene from Die Hard like when uh when uh <laughs> when fucking John McClane like lets go of Hans Gruber and he's like falling <laughs> to his death and the song's on <laughs> um that like that bridge or that that yeah that like bridge into the final chorus it's got to be like one of the most powerful like pieces of music like ever written like when that yeah. like it's just it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, there's no denying the the sheer talent that Celine Dion has and like watching the David Foster documentary um it shows that she had that kind of talent, but he was able to push her farther than like what she even thought she was capable of doing. And like I said, that that chorus, that final chorus of that song just like shows it. And it's just like yeah. it's powerful. Like it's huge. Like it moves you. I mean, uh anyone listening to the show probably turned turned it off the second we started talking about this. But <laughs> The real ones are sticking around because they wanted to hear exactly what we think of this song. And um, it's just incredible. It's an incredible piece of music and it's very well written. And it's like I've always said, like music is designed to invoke feelings. And very true. Yeah. And to have that, like be able to move you in that type, in that type of way. Gets a gold star in my book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. We're thinking, well, we thought about changing, not the format, but kind of like the idea of how like an episode is going to go. And we're thinking about bringing it back to the roots, Um, not the band that plays with Jimmy Fallon, but like the roots of the show. Back in the very early beginnings of this podcast, it was very, uh, very opinionated driven, uh, ramblings that that's probably the easiest nicest way to say it um and i'm starting to feel like we're kind of trying to like uh like we're kind of moving away from what this show originally was and i feel like what better time than now we're getting close to the end of the season we've only one more episode left before it's done so fuck it if this is a complete dumpster fire and it crashes and burns at least we can say we tried it again. <laughs> <laughs> At least we caught on fire before we hit the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if uh, the village people and Celine Dion wasn't enough. Um, <laughs> going back to the Super Bowl and my comments earlier with them not including Kendrick Lamar and keeping, you know, Eminem, uh, keep making Eminem's part bigger and getting rid of Kendrick Lamar in order to do that. I would like to just have like a general discussion of why do we think music is in the state that it is today? We have, we have artists that are more than capable of producing amazing music. And I feel like nowadays it's just become like a cookie cutter. Like this is what it takes to get a song on the radio. This is what it takes to make a hit. Just do this and it'll be fine. And there's like no creativity behind it anymore. There's no like soul. There's no feeling behind this anymore. And it's just like a money generating machine. I mean, that's how I'm starting to see like music is. And it was funny because my wife just said it in conversation one day. She's like, what do you think the state of hip hop would be if Biggie and Tupac never died? 
Like, do you think they would have changed with the times or do you think they would have stayed on the trajectory that they were and just kept releasing, you know, their their style and genre of hip hop? Mm, that's kind of a... That's it's a, kind of, it's uh, a tough one. Yeah. It's because uh, you got to think, like, would they have, you know, would the next albums, like, if they were still alive, be great. Yeah. Or like, would they eventually have had a flop and like, that was kind of it for their careers. Yeah. But I, like, I'm starting, like I, I was thinking about that though. And I don't feel like they were at a point in time to where they were like almost washed up or like a late bloomer type thing. Like we had talked about last yeah. week or the, you know, two weeks prior. But, um, I feel like they still had a lot to give. And I don't know. I, I I just honestly feel like if they were still around, hip hop would be a lot better than what it is. <laughs> and plus, I would like to see a like a Biggie and Eminem collab. That would have been cool. Yeah. So. Let me think here. Like going back to what you were saying about cookie cutter mainstream. Yeah. No soul. Uh, I agree with you, but also the whole landscape of the music industry has shifted so much over the last 20 years that to where like the time that I, or the time and place that Tupac and Biggie were, you know, huge. Yeah. Like that realm doesn't necessarily exist today. So it would have been interesting to see because, like, think about, like, pretty much, let me collect my thoughts here. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, like, think about it. Like, think of all the home studios and stuff. Like, mm. there's, you don't have to go the same avenue that yeah. you used to have to. There's also, like, the local music scene, at least around here, is, like, pretty much gone. Yeah. Like, it, absolutely gone. Non-existent. It was actually funny that you said that because um, the other night, Michael, me and Michael were talking, and, you know, as everyone knows, he's in, you know, bands galore, and he's in a, uh, he's in a new, like, uh, progressive uh, progressive rock band, mm-hmm. and they, like, they play, like, like Yes and, like, uh, like all kinds of shit, and... um. He was asking me about rehearsal studios, right? And, like, I can only think of two off the top of my head. And then it made me think. Like, I remember back when we were in high school, I was like, you know what? You, you know, make a lot of money, a rehearsal studio around here. And it almost seems like in the past, like, 10 years or so. Gone. Yeah, just gone. It, I mean, there's Audio Alley and Pittman. Yeah. That's the only one that I know of. Yeah. Back- Red Dwarf Studios, too. Oh, yeah. True, I completely true. forgot about them. I can't believe they're still going. I mean, good for them that they're still going, yeah. but like, I, like just so removed, I guess like as we've gotten older, we've yeah took a step back from that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. just as a whole, like advertising, like I didn't hear anything about them for so long. Yeah. Audio alley too. And mm-hmm. like five years ago, I, I was in a band that rehearsed there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty much, we were there. 
we stopped going there and then never heard anything. And then I, <laughs> they just started, like, apparently they remodeled and all this stuff. Yeah, I have no idea. I actually cool. know Michael was actually in a band with the owner of Audio Alley. He was in a band called Time Warp and they were a cover band. Oh. And, um, yeah, so I, I knew about them from that. But do, I'm trying to think of like the perfect kind of question to kind of like, you know, like, like spearhead this conversation to like a, like a uh, direction to where it could be back and forth is, do you feel like with the advancements of technology, it actually is kind of hindering creativity with music or do, I mean, as everything moves forward and technology gets better, obviously it gets easier and easier to do stuff and making music is no exception. Do we feel like it's just, it's almost too easy now. Like to where it's, anybody can just get up there and do it. It's, it's easy to get it out there, mm-hmm. but it's not easy to get, acceptance from it yeah well that's the thing too and like the way people consume music is just it's it's incredible now because we went from like myspace pages and you know Mm -hmm. you you had like your band's favorite songs like on their page and um you go from that to where now you're digesting music from like little clips off of vine then youtube and then you're getting clips and little like little fucking tastes from Facebook. And now you have these pop stars that are just emerging out of TikTok. Yeah. And like, it's almost like maybe, maybe we're just getting too old for this, like for the way that music is now. Like think about how, like, uh, I don't know. Think about how like poison, or Motley Crue or any of those bands would have fared if they were around now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not about, like, the theatrics anymore. It's not about... It's not even about the quality of music anymore. It's just yeah, true. how... How are you able to stay relevant just long enough to not even make an impact? Just stay relevant long enough... To kind of generate enough money just to keep yourself rolling, and then that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, now you only have to be as entertaining, or you only have to be interesting enough to get a click. Exactly. If you get that click, it's done. Meanwhile, uh, well, not meanwhile, but sidebar here, if you find us interesting, give us a like, a thumbs up. We've been seeing thumbs down here recently, and... Uh, Boo. Yeah, not going to lie. I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. Then again, there's no like metrics that say like when, like or what episode they were listening to when the thumbs down came up. So I can only imagine that we got a thumbs down on everything. So if you like us, shoot us a like. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up, if you will. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I it just like maybe it's just like the inner elitist in me that I try to keep like buried down. But, you know, every now and then he rears his fucking ugly head out. <laughs> and I just feel myself like scanning through radio stations and I'm hearing like the same five fucking songs on repeat on every station. And I literally find myself not, I'm not even fucking bullshitting here. I find myself putting on my Bluetooth and just listening to white noise, like on my phone. 
Like at one point, like that was the only way my wife, my wife could go to sleep was white noise generator in the background. And that's just like what my phone defaults to. And she's like, I'd rather listen to that than listen to fucking any of the top 40 stations. And like, it's just, it's, it's fucked up because I feel like there, there's no creativity and not for nothing. If there's no creativity, there's nothing like spark, like an interest in music to, to like this, to a younger generation, like music eventually is just going to become obsolete. It's all going to be done by machines and like, there's just not going to be anything. There's not, there's going to be no creative process behind it at all. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, quantized music. Yeah. To a grid. Exactly. And it's just becoming so, like I said earlier, like just so cookie cutter and everything has to be perfect or it's not perfect. And like you listen to, you know, you listen to like the Rolling Stones and you listen to the Beatles and you listen to fucking Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, for instance. <clears throat> like, um, I actually read that eruption that was on Van Halen one. Mm-hmm. He made a mistake in eruption and he knew about it. But no one else could tell. Yeah. And it's just like, that's the kind of shit that doesn't happen now in music. Yeah. And and it almost goes into, like, I know you enjoyed the album. I wasn't a fan of it was Ozzy's Ordinary Man that came out. I still, it still baffles me how you do not like that. I I don't know. I feel like it just lacks, like, the soul. It lacks the soul that makes up Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, dude, the song. <laughs> Maybe Man. I'm just biased because Zach Wild it wasn't on it at all, but I don't know. I just feel like in the age of like digital recording and digital technology, like that soul just isn't there. Like there's like there's nothing that nothing that grabs you anymore. <clears throat> and. I know, like, I've gotten on this discussion before about, like, technology ruining music, but it gets to a point where it's just, like, when are we going to start coming back, like, full circle and, like, making shit that matters again? You know? I thought Foo Fighters realistically would have been the savior of all this, but... (laughs) Yeah. That's what happens when you... like, the Boo Fighters. Yeah. That's what happens when you board the uh, Dave Grohl train. You're left disappointed. And it's just, I don't know, man. I just, it really upsets me, the state of music now. And like the only way, I mean, at least the only way I feel is to hear decent music is to dig up these older bands or if they even release new music and kind of just go at it from there. Like there's. Uh, I, you know, I've said this countless times. I don't feel like there's any band that has come out in the past five years that's really blown my mind. Not that I'm some fucking music critic or anything, but I have a podcast and not you, so you're listening <laughs> to what I have to say. <laughs> it's like that scene from The Wedding Singer. Oh, well, man. I have a microphone and you don't. <laughs> so you will listen to every damn word I have to say. <laughs> but... Wow. Yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about any of this? Or am I just rambling? Rambling. (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, Going back to uh, Beat It. Yeah. I wanted to bring up, like, 
the radio, and then there's also streaming services now. Yeah. Like, you listen to, like, MMR, like, they're playing a lot of sh- a lot of stuff from, like, the 90s. Hmm. Some stuff from the early 2000s, and then a handful of songs from this decade. Yeah. And every new music that they put out, they or every new music uh they put out it they say it's new music for like two years. Yeah. Like new music. And it's like Yep. Uh I just feel like I really like listening to the radio. Hmm. But as far as like even when we were going back to like corporation like quality music yeah i feel like that gap between uh or like from music as a whole hmm. and what makes it to the radio i feel like the music genre as a whole right now is so saturated because everybody is able to make music. Hmm. And also, not every band's striving to get on the radio. Yeah. There's Spotify. Like, you don't need the radio. Yeah, exactly. You, you get big on Spotify, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. or SoundCloud, TikTok. Like, you can just bypass the entire yeah. old way of doing things. Yep. It's just crazy. I mean, yeah. I never thought that I'd be having a discussion to where I'd be like um disgusted with how music is now. <laughs> but like I feel like I don't get any sense of pleasure by listening to the radio or top 40 radio anymore. And the only way I get any kind of solace is to dig up old bands and old albums and basically my Spotify playlist on repeat. Yeah. I mean, also another, uh, another thing to bring up about Spotify is it's, I have you ever gotten into like an echo, like cycle, like, like cause Spotify compiles stuff that they know that you like, you like based yeah. on what you've listened to. Have you gotten to a point where you listen to the same song one too many times and it like, Closed loops. You're, you're like, yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> when I get to that point where it's like, it feels like I'm listening to MMR, I gotta like, that makes me want to venture out and find new music. Yeah. And then I'll start looking through, like, looking at comparable artists to artists that I like, and I start to branch out. And then, in effect, I reopen that loop and I get new music. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there it's just hard because like to find it's hard to find new bands and give new bands a shot when you can't 100% get into their shit immediately. Like, you know, like like for instance, like uh I don't know, like Red Fang. Like I you know, Steve had sent me a video or, you know, a song from them 
and like I kind of got into it and I really enjoyed it. And then they had a new, then they had, um, what the fuck was that album called? Murder the Mountain or something. And like I heard that and it was amazing. But if I didn't, if I hadn't heard Hank is Dead first and I heard that album first, I probably would not have listened to them at all. Ah. Uh. Because like it, it's hard, it's hard now to find an appreciation for a band. When you have to go out and find it for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, if, like, back in the day, like, you you, you took a chance. Like, you bought an album. And if you, if it sucked, the then it sucked. Cool. Yeah. The cover looked cool, but the music sucked. Yeah. You, you, were, you were shit out of luck. Now it's almost like we're spoiled for choice. And then, like, it's hard to, like, devote time well, now as adults, it's hard to devote time to find a venture out and find new shit if, you know, you have to sit down and listen to an entire album. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was kind of rambling. But that's what makes this show this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or something I wanted to... Or something I wanted to touch on with... uh. Let me see. Let me see. It was uh, with radio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with uh, radio, I I just don't understand what like what the hold up is to get newer music nowadays. Yeah. And like, I've been hearing like the pretty reckless on fucking repeat and I'm not going to lie. I've started to really fucking hate them. Or Dorothy. Yeah. Dorothy. And it's just like, there is good bands out there. Yeah. There is good music out there, but for some reason, like these media outlets, they're just not down with it. they're not like giving people like, I feel like they're holding us back. Yeah. They're holding us way back. <clears throat> also, like, why the, like, why those same songs? I like, know. dude, semi-charmed life, mm. let it go. <laughs> I literally hear that every time I get in the car. Like, after we're done here and I go to get in the car, I guarantee you it's going to be on. One of the fucking 12 stations that are preset in my car, it's yeah. going to be on one of them. <laughs> it's like perfectly good song. Why? <laughs> Why so many times? I want something else. That song came out and they're like, we're going to play this every 45 minutes for the next 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so what do you think? <laughs> um, was this a complete ramble and you tuned out by now? I mean, we're only 40 minutes. So, I mean, if you if you tuned out by now, that's your loss. Um, but yeah, uh, what do you think? Uh, are we completely off kilter with this shit? Um, are you a fan of the Pretty Reckless? I mean, we're, we're not going to we're not going to discriminate. We don't discourage. But um, I would have to question you. Uh, do you really enjoy that shit? 
Um, find us on social media accounts, facebook.com slash RATM podcast, Instagram and Twitter at RATM podcast, YouTube search Regents mainstream podcast. Don't try to find this episode though on YouTube because, uh, technical difficulties. If you haven't been able to tell from our past couple weeks, um, Bill can't get it up. Yeah, I can't the get video, it up. The video, the <laughs> video. Um, and of course, uh, our email, RATMpodcast at gmail.com. But until then, let's get into our suggestions for this week. My suggestion for this week, uh, I guess I'm just following suit here. Um, Van Halen, uh, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album, uh, the song is Run Around. In my opinion, it is probably one of the top five Sammy Hagar era Van Halen songs. Uh, music video is cool as hell. And in my opinion, it's one of the best pre-choruses ever written. Um, it's just such a cool song. It has it has this like kind of like country-esque riff in the beginning that just kind of like is like a, like a, uh, a detour from the Van Halen that you know. I mean, you have like OU812 that came out before it and it was still classic Van Halen with like that flair to it. And then you have Unlawful Carnal Knowledge that was like Van Halen for the 90s. And yeah, I mean, it's just a super fucking cool album and super cool song. So uh, Van Halen's run around. What do you got this week, Eric? My suggestion, circling back to uh, Anderson Pack and uh, Bruno Mars. Uh, the album An Evening with Self- Silk Sonic, uh, the song 777. It's uh, really cool. They've really laid into like old school, like uh, kind of like funky, hmm. uh, of course, because Bootsy's involved. But yeah, it's uh, it's really good, and you can tell that like. The productions there, like they definitely use some old old shit to put that together. That's my suggestion. Nice. So, uh, once again, uh, you can find us on our social media accounts: uh, Facebook dot com slash retm podcast, Instagram and Twitter at retm podcast, and YouTube search Rage Against Mainstream Podcast. And then, if you don't feel like giving us a thumbs down or a thumbs up, but you'd rather write us a uh, email telling us about your distaste or the uh, distaste or taste for the show, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. But until then, this is another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream podcast for the books. Make sure you tune in next week for a very special uh, season finale episode. Uh, as always, I'm Bill. And I'm Eric. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night. Peace.